Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I want to talk to you today for a few moments on how to improve your marriage without it costing you a dime. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be interesting. I don't know if that's possible. Amen. How to improve your marriage without it costing you a dime. Now, before we read the scriptures, just let me say that uh, I ran across a few things that I thought I would share with you about marriage. Marriage is when you agree to spend the rest of your life sleeping in a room that's too warm beside someone who's sleeping in a room that's too cold. And all of the men will relate to this one. Marriage is when you hold your wife's hand in the mall because she'll start shopping if you don't. It looks romantic, but it's really economic. <laughs> We're going to have fun today, aren't we? A husband read an article to his wife about how women use 30,000 words a day to a man's 15,000 words a day. The wife replied, well, that's because we have to repeat everything to you. <laughs> so the husband looked at her and said, what? <laughs> I'm not sure, but Donna may have wrote that. I don't know. She's... Always telling me, you know, you don't listen to me. You don't listen to me. And, and uh, you know, it's one thing listening to someone. It's another thing hearing them, isn't it? All right. So I'm going to talk to you today about what the Bible says uh, about this subject, how to improve your marriage without it costing a dime. Now, in the very beginning of what I'm getting ready to share, share with you, it's going to seem just a little generic to you in the very beginning. But I'm going to take some common scriptures that all of us know and, and we're going to see, we're going to read it in context and see how it ties into marriage and how it ties into relationships. And one of them here is Proverbs chapter 18, uh, verses 20 through 22. Here's what the Bible says. A man's belly shall be satisfied by, with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor from the Lord. Now what we're going to talk about today, and you can see it right there in verse 20, where the Bible said, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. What we're going to talk about today is our words. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about words. Words are the currency of life, aren't they? Faith is the currency of the soul. Words are the currency of life. Imagine a world without words. Some of you are like, wow, that'd be so peaceful. That'd be so wonderful. But listen, nations rise and fall on words. Marriages rise and fall on words. Relationships rise and fall on words. Industry rises and falls on words. Words are the currency of life. 
And here's what the Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 18, beginning of verse 20. A man's stomach is filled with the produce of his mouth. And then the Bible says, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Now I've asked them to pass out some kernels of corn. Do we have those? Can you please pass those out? And just bring me one of them because I want to use it as an illustration. I'm not sure that we have enough for everybody today. So if you're a couple, if you're a married couple, just take one, okay? But I want you to take it home with you. So I want them to get that, okay? Just, it's just a kernel of corn. Now I want, I want us to look at this passage again. Right here it says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. Or in the English Standard, Standard Version it says the produce of his mouth. Did you know that your words are seeds? Did you know that with the seed that I have right here in my hand, if it's a good seed, I can plant it in the earth, and if I allow the process just to take its place, that I have the answer to world hunger right here in my hand. Because you always reap more than you sow, right? I can take this kernel of corn right here, I can put it in the ground, and what will it give me? It'll give me a stalk that'll have two or three years of corn on it. Those two or three years of corn will have a couple of, of hundred of kernels of corn, all, all, and, and that all came from this one seed. So I take a seed, it gives me a stalk. I take the kernels of corn from the stalk, I plant those, it gives me a field. I take the seed from those field, that field, it gives me many, many, many fields, and before you know it, world hunger has been resolved. All because of one kernel of corn. Words are seeds. Look at your neighbor and say, words are seeds. Now, every word that we speak will carry a harvest with it. This seed that I have in my hand right here carries the DNA of corn all the way back. Now get this, the DNA of corn all the way back to when God created corn. Somehow this kernel of corn has made it six or seven or eight thousand years into the hand of this little preacher here in Hudson, Florida at the Lakewood Church of God. Somehow it's made it here. It carries with it DNA. Words are seeds that carry DNA. And what happens a lot of times in our relationships and what happens a lot of times in our marriages, if we don't watch it, then what we allow is we allow bad DNA from things that happened to us in the past to come into the relationship that we have. And when we take that bad DNA and we, uh, and we speak out those things like, you know what, your name is a divorce and you'll never amount to anything. You ever heard stuff like that? Or you're ugly and you're never going to be pretty. Well, they probably told you that. They're probably being ugly with you because their daddy told them they were ugly. And their daddy told them they were ugly. And then their daddy told them that they, they were And so that's bad DNA. And what happens a lot of times in marriages is we take bad DNA from the past and we just allow it to surface inside of us because it's the DNA of our raisin. And we allow it to come out of us. And what we're not understanding is that when we allow it to come out of us, that not only is it going into the atmosphere around us, but it's being planted into the fertile soil of the soul of of those that are hearing it for future generations to read. 
Words are seeds. Words carry a harvest. We choose life and death. The Bible said death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they shall love it that eat the fruit thereof. So we choose life and death with our words, which are our seeds. So what are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm trying to say. We need to take responsibility for our words. We need to take responsibility for our words. And I've got some really powerful things I'm going to share with you later on along these lines as it, as it pertains to marriage. Now, when we look at this passage of Scripture and we read it, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and when the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. When we read it like that, if we stop right there, we miss the whole point of it. The whole point of it is found in verse number 22, when the Bible said, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. In context, this is talking about our marriages. Look at verse 22. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. Listen to me, men. Did you know that your wife is your key to God's favor? Your wife is, is your key to God's favor. I want you to turn to somebody and say, say and, and if it's your wife, turn to your wife, and I want you to say, look at you, you pretty key. Now, let me put it like this, because I want you to really get this. Your marriage will never be better than your mouth. Jimmy Evans said that. Your marriage will never be better than your words. Your marriage will never be better than your mouth. Now, Jesus addressed speech in Matthew chapter 12. Let's go over there. Matthew chapter 12. Turn over there. This is going to help you. This is really going to help. If you'll take what I'm teaching you today, it's going to change your marriage. It's going to change also your friends and your relationships because words are seeds. Now, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus addresses words. And the Bible says here in verse number 33, uh, well, let's just go ahead and read 33 through 37, then we'll come back and touch it. It says, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil, look at this word here, speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, and you notice he calls, that he calls his heart the place that houses treasure, and in the verse right before that he called it the place of abundance. So it says, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, go back up to verse number 33. Jesus calls our hearts trees and he calls our words fruit he calls our hearts trees and he calls our 
words fruit. Here, here it is. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. And then it goes on in verse 34 and says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what does that mean? That simply means bad words, bad tree. Good words, good tree. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So here's the point that we need to understand here. When Jesus was talking about our words, we need to understand what's in our heart is what's going to come out of our mouth. You'll say, sometimes people will say, you know, I said that, but I just really, I, you know, I, re I really didn't mean it. If you said it, it was in your heart. If you said it, it was in your heart. Do you know how many people today are suffering and have been suffering for generations over idle words, and we'll talk about this in a minute too, but idle words that were spoken to them as a child that they have not been able to heal from and to get delivered from because someone said something harsh to them, someone said something mean to them, an ex-husband, an ex-wife, a mother, a father, something like that said something to them and then later said, you know, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean it, but it took root. And there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain that's going on there. So what do we do? How do we improve our marriage? We make sure our heart is good. We work on our heart to make it the best that it can be. Because here's the thing that I want you to understand. When we get our mouth, the only way to get our mouth sanctified or set apart for God's work, the only way to get our mouth cleansed is to get our heart cleansed. If we clean up our hearts, our mouths will follow. You say, well, I just can't quit cussing. That's because it's in your heart. I just can't quit talking bad about this person. Well, that's because it's in your heart. It might be DNA from future generations, and you may be carrying a generational curse, and if you don't watch it and get delivered from it and let the Lord set you free from it, if you don't watch it, you're going to take that same curse and you're going to pass it to your children and to your grandchildren. And your... But here's the beautiful thing about it this morning. Every single one of you that are sitting in this place this morning have the ability to turn the worm. What does that mean? What does it mean to turn the worm? You have the ability to say, you know what? I'm not going to let the devil mess up my kids. And I'm not going to let the devil mess up my grandkids. And I'm not going to let the devil mess these people. No, no, no. I'm going to guard my heart because the word of God says out of it are the issues of life. And then we go on down here and the Bible says in verse 36, but I say unto you, and this is Jesus speaking, he said, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Now, I want you to understand something here, okay? The Bible says that we have the great white throne judgment. That's where he divides the sheep from the goats, those that know Christ, those that don't know Christ, and all of that. But there's another judgment called the judgment seat of Christ where those that made it through the white throne judgment that's been heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter the joy of the Lord, we're, we still have another judgment to go to and it's called the judgment seat of Christ and that judgment seat of Christ, the word of God says, is where the Christian will be judged according to their works. So we could say it like this, it's where we'll be judged according to our words because our words produce our works. And so the Bible says here that men will give an account for every idle word 
that they speak. Now, I need you to understand that Jesus forgives us for idle words. So don't think that everything that you've ever said in your entire life is going to be replayed before you. That which is not cleansed, that which is not under the blood, that, that which your life produced, that's what you're going to, going to be judged for. Now let me say it like this. When we talk about idle words, we need to understand that casual speech is dangerous speech. Casual speech is dangerous speech. The Bible says in verse number 37... That by our words we are justified, and by our words we are condemned. So let me help you, church. Listen to me very closely. If you want to change your life, change your talk. If you want to change your marriage, start with your talk. If you want to strengthen a friendship, start with your talk. If you want people to treat you better at work, start with your talk. If you want to receive what the Word of God says that you can have, then start with your talk and start speaking the Word of God over your talk by faith. Why? Because you reap what you sow and your words are the seeds that you sow. Now, go with me please to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 22, is, is some revolutionary truths about marriage. Here's what I want to do. I want us to go down to verse number 33, and I want us to read verse 33 first. Here's what it says. It says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, in the English Standard Version, which is becoming one of my favorite versions, I mean, I, I, I base everything out of King James, but I love the English Standard Version. Here's what it says. It says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives. No, 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 no. It says, However, let every one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So when we look at this, here's what we find out. You say, well, why would the Word of God say that? Why would the Word tell wives to love their husbands, and, or husbands to love their wives, and wives to respect their husbands? Because God in His infinite wisdom knew that the number one priority of a woman is to feel loved. And the number one priority of a man is to feel respected. Did you know that? So many times we feel like that, you know, men will say, well, I don't feel like you respect me. Well, how they're interpreting that is you don't love me. And sometimes women will say, well, I don't feel that, that you love me, that you love me. And men's like, you know, I told you the day that we got married that I loved you, and if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. I mean, that's kind of where, that's kind of where men are, right? Now, I'm going to break some things down for you. The Bible said that in, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to learn our wives. When you, Charles, when you said I do, you took on a project, buddy. And I mean that in every... Sense of the word in a good way. I asked the Lord one day, 
I was just going along there, and sometimes I have these little conversations with God, and, you know, and I asked the Lord one day, I said, why in the world did you make it so hard for men to understand women? And it's like the Lord spoke to me, and he said, it's the only way that I can keep scatterbrained men engaged with their wives. Because right about the time that you think you've got her figured out, she changes. I'm trying to be real careful here. I don't really know. I have to go home after this. But the Word of God tells us that we're supposed to live with our wives in an understanding way. That means that we are supposed to always be trying to learn about her. Don't raise your hands, but how many men in this place know your wife's favorite color? How many know her favorite movie? I'll tell you Donna's favorite movie. I hate the crazy thing, but I because I had to watch it over and over and over and over when we first got married. You know what it is? Gone with the wind. One day I looked at her and I said, I ain't Rhett and you ain't Scarlet. Well, you need to watch it. I said, frankly, my dear. But do you know your wife's favorite movie? Do you know her favorite color? Do you know her favorite flower? Do you know what she likes? Do you know what makes her laugh? Do you know what makes her cry? Do you, I mean, dwell with your wife according to knowledge. Make her your pet project. I mean that in a good way. I mean, she becomes priority in your life. The Bible tells us to do that. The Bible said we're supposed to learn our wives. The Bible says in, in English Standard Version, 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. I'm like, okay, okay, God. All right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> And then here's what the Word of God says. And here's how He tells you how to do it. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may be not hindered. What? You mean to tell me if I don't get along with my wife that my prayers are hindered? What kind of deal is that, God? Well, it's a deal of love. God wants you to be connected with one another. So, even in the difficult times, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And Colossians 3, 19, husbands, listen to me, listen to me, listen. This is the word of God. Listen, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Boom. Men are aggressive by nature because God designed them to conquer. When God made man in the book of Genesis, the Bible said, and God made man. That word made there means to squeeze out of the earth. To squeeze out of the earth. So God made man from the dust of the ground and so it's natural for man to be hunters and to be fishermen and to go out and conquer and to have conquest and to protect because their heart is tied 
to the earth. Then the Bible said, and God made the woman from the man. So when the Bible said God made man, that means to squeeze out of the earth. That word made, when it said made the woman for the man, that word made there is translated totally different. It's called fashion. And, and the Bible said <laughs> that her desire would be towards her husband. How come her desire is towards her husband? Because she was fashioned for him, from him, by God. You see that? You see that? So that's why men can just go out here and just kill critters and and fish and hunt and have wild game night and do all this kind of stuff and conquer and conquest and all of that kind of stuff. And then they come home and they're showing all of this to the woman. Man, I went out there, I conquered the world. I come home, I give you this check. I worked all week long and I want you to know you're provided for and you're protected and I love you and I'm taking care of you and all. And she's looking at you and uh, she's, uh, well, okay, well, praise the Lord. That's wonderful and that's great and all that kind of stuff. And then you turn around and you go sit down in her recliner and she listened to you and then she comes in and she sits down and she starts trying to talk and all you're hearing is yap, 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 yap. You pick up the remote you're watching nothing. You're flipping through the channels. You know, what we need to do is turn that thing off for about 15 or 20 minutes and let her love us. Because she needs you to listen to her. You feel good. You feel satisfied. You feel accomplished because you conquered. And you brought home and you put in her hand what communicated from your heart that you loved her. It's different for the women. They need you to listen to them. They need, you know, I'm going to say it like this. And I'm learning, listen, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I've been married 28 years and I'm still learning. But I've learned to myself, I have learned. I mean, this, this was a tough week for me. I mean, this, this dug up, this dug up some things inside of me. And I thought to myself back through the years, and I thought to myself, you know, the more, you know, the times of our marriage when I have listened to her more is the times when life was better. Those are the times when life was better. So when the Word of God tells us that we're supposed to dwell with them according to knowledge, then we need to understand that, okay? And then the, go, then the Word goes on, and verse number 26 here in Ephesians uh, chapter, uh, chapter number 5 and verse number 26 it says, says this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Well, look at verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Yeah, I probably should touch that. Uh, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, the Word of God does not say, and this is what I mean by I need to touch that, the Word of God does not say that you need to submit yourself to another man. Not just any old man can tell you what to do. Your husband is your husband. That's the one that's the head. It's not your boss. When you give your life to someone else, all of a sudden, headship changes. Daddy's not your covering anymore.
Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives speak to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it. Verse number 26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. And verse 27 says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it, that it should be holy and without blemish unto the Lord. Christ sanctified and cleansed the church with the word. Lives of believers are cleansed as they hear the words of Christ and obey them. The Bible said that as husbands, we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Now, listen to me very closely. As husbands, listen to me, men. As husbands, we sanctify our wives. That means we set her apart for ourselves by cleansing them with our words. Our words of love, our words of care, our words of protection, and in so doing, just as Christ cleansed the church, in so doing, we as husbands wash away the anxiety of our wives, the distress of our wives, the insecurity of our wives, the worry of our wives, and in so doing, we communicate, you are my world. I love you. You are my world. And let me say this. Words mean a lot to a man, but they mean much more to a woman. Much more to a woman. And then the Bible said in verse number 27 that Christ would present her to himself. In the Greek, the word own occurs six times in verses 22 through 33, which basically says... We're not talking about someone else's wife. When we're talking about husband, we're talking about our wives, the ones that we have. And that, that word own simply means that we don't own her as property, but it means that she is my responsibility. And she's got to know that I'm going to take care of responsibilities. She's got to know that there are times I'm going to look at her lovingly and say, No, honey, we can't go shopping because we have to pay the electric bill. And she might get frustrated and she might get angry because she's emotional at times. But in her heart, even though she's frustrated and angry, you're communicating a security to her that whether I'm frustrated or upset, it doesn't matter. He's going to make sure everything's taken care of so I don't have to worry. One of the... <laughs> Jesus, help me. You know, I'm a pastor here. I, I love you guys so much. And I'm, you know me, I just tell it how it is sometimes. One of the most powerful words you can tell your wife sometimes is the word no. Women are not looking for a yes man. And if they're looking for a yes man, don't marry them. That's not what they're looking for. They're not looking for a yes man. So the Greek word own occurs six times in verses 22 through 33, which communicates to us that a man must take responsibility for his own wife, that we are to shelter her, we are to provide for her, we are to take care of her for the rest of her life. Even if we die first. We need to make sure that we're taking care of her for the rest of her lives. 
Then we get down to verse number 33. And this is, and I'm, I'm trying to hurry, I know, but there's just so much here. Verse number 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. Every one of you in particular love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence or respect her husband's. The University of Washington did a study on 2,000 couples over 20 years. And among the things they discovered were these. In the times of marital conflict, 85% of the time, a man will withdraw. Go to the room, sit in their chair. I'm guilty of that. If things start getting dicey, I have a chair in my bedroom and I love it. I have an imprint on that chair. I fit well in that chair. That tells you I've spent some time there. Okay, 85% of men withdraw during times of marital conflict. And here's the thing that they found out. That when a man does that, a wife sees this as an act of hostility. She sees it as an act of hostility. These aren't my words. These are the words of the study from the University of Washington where they studied 2,000 couples over 20 years. When women have marital conflict, they tend to be critical. They criticize and complain during marital conflict. And the husband sees this as an act of disrespect. So what happens is they get into this vicious cycle. The man's wanting to withdraw because he wants things to get more peaceful. And so he goes somewhere thinking, you know, things will just blow over, we'll give it some time, everything will be okay, and I'll go watch sports. Well, women's like, you don't care. You don't care about me. You don't care about the kids. You don't care about nothing. And really, the man's just trying to de-stress. The man's trying to take himself out of it because he loves you and doesn't want to blow up in your face. And the woman... <laughs> And then the woman criticizes and complains because, because that's how she loves. She talks. That's how she loves, okay? And so the husband sees this as an act of hostility. Sometimes they call it nagging, you know, and different things like that. So here's the thing. When a woman feels unloved, she tends to react in a way that feels disrespectful to her husband. And when a husband feels disrespected, he tends to react in a way that feels unloving to his wife. So what's the cure here? Here's the cure. A man's love will motivate his wife's respect and a woman's respect will motivate a man's love. In short, let me put it like this so it's easier to understand. If you want your husband to love you more, show him more respect. If you want your wife to respect you more, show her more love. The key to communication is mutual understanding. I don't know why God made us so different. When I get to heaven, I'm going to call him to the boardroom and have a meeting with him on it. I'll be like, God, what in the world were you thinking? My goodness. If you would have just, you know, I told my son before he got married, he said, Dad, what's the perfect woman? I said, here's the perfect woman. I said, it's a woman who can ride a spotted mule through the Grand Canyon in her blue jeans during the daytime and dress up in an evening gown and rock your world at night. 
Boy, that sounds self-serving, doesn't it? <laughs> That's the kind of advice I used to give my son. Now I'm telling my son all the time, just spend time with her. Just spend time with her. Spend time with her family. Spend time with your family and just love on them and take care of them. So this little thing, this University from Washington thing probably has helped me more than anything. I mean, what do you, what do you all think? I mean, as, as, a, as a husband, I need to love my wife more. That in turn will bring more respect to me. As a wife, you need to respect your husband more and that in turn will bring more love to you. And if we can reverse the cycle, then there'll be a lot more peace in our homes. Now, I'm just about through here, but James chapter 3, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but in James chapter 3, we find a passage of Scripture where the Bible says uh, that the Bible refers to little things that matter. And in James chapter 3, let's just go over there real quick. We're not going to read all of it. But James chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. James chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any, if any man offend not in word, that's talking about our talk. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. And then it says in verse number three, we put bits in horses' mouths, a small thing, and it turns their whole bodies we put rudders in ships, and it turns the ship. And then the Bible talks about how that a little fire can start a humongous forest fire. Don't ever tell me that little things don't matter. Little hinges swing big doors. You might say, well, you know, I just, I just didn't mean it. I, it was just a little thing that I was saying. You know, we were just talking and I was just saying and we were just, you know, trying to communicate. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. Sometimes the smallest thing, the smallest statement, the smallest word spoken, spoken at a harsh time, those smallest words, those things right there can create a lifetime of hardships for people. If you're my family, you're, my, you're fair game. I think my mother-in-law is gorgeous. I think she's beautiful. May I? Her daddy told her the whole time growing up, you're the ugliest one I've got. I think she needs a whole bunch of people to tell her this morning how pretty she is. I'm not going to go down the list, but there were things that were spoken over me that I'm sure were spoken over my father when he was growing up that's created problems for me. I, I know I'm not the only one in this, in this building today. I've had to overcome things. I've had to overcome the echo in my head. Just who do you think you are? You know, I've, I've had to overcome those things. I, it wasn't a bad raisin, but there, were, there was DNA from former relationships that was coming that was coming in listen there's people that told you that you were some of you today listen you're living in bondage to a word that was spoken over you as a child or or from a former spouse you know there's some of you here today that were told you were ugly the whole time you were growing up. There's some of you today who were told you weren't worth anything today. There were some of you that were told when you were growing up that you would never amount to anything. And in the, in the midst of a heated battle 
probably from a former spouse or maybe a current spouse, you heard the words, I hate you. I don't know why I ever married you. I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. We dig around where we live. And I'm going to pray today that the effect of those words are canceled out of your life. You know what we're going to do? I'm going to speak over you. We're getting ready to, but I'm going to speak over to you. I'm going to speak over you. I mean, some of you have heard this. The world would be better without you. I don't want you to raise your hands, but I feel prompted. I felt prompted when I was putting it together that there would be people here this morning that heard things like that. I'm going to pray that God breaks that off of you. I'm going to pray that God sets you free. I'm going to pray that healing and health and wholeness and love will rule and reign the day. And we're going to speak things over you that you can reach back and hook into. And you can say, no, 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 no. He's made all things beautiful in his time. They may have told me I was ugly, but God says I'm beautiful. I'm fastened. I'm formed. I'm, I'm made by God. Well, you're not worth anything. That's not what the Word of God says. I decree and declare over you that you are a son of God. You have God's favor. You have God's blessing. You have God's wisdom. You carry God's character. Some of you daddies this week need to sneak into your kids' rooms when they're asleep and kneel down by their bed and place your hand on their shoulder and start speaking blessing over kids that you have cursed in the heat of the moment. Only you can take responsibility for what you're going to do with this message. It'll improve your marriage if you'll take it and use it. It'll improve your relationship with your kids if you'll take it and use it. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, wise men who have good knowledge show out of a good conversation their works with meekness and wisdom. And then in verses 17 and 18, it says this in a nutshell. That good and wise words bring peace. So I declare peace over you today. Every hurtful thing that's ever been said over you right now, come on, just bow your heads and put your hands in the air. If you know I'm talking to you, every hurtful thing that's ever been said over you, we bind it in the name of Jesus. We break its impact. We break its power. It will no longer have any effect over you. You are blessed of, of our Father. You are healthy. You are whole. I speak to every married couple right now. I speak peace into your relationship. I decree and declare that men that are here this morning and are watching this around the world, I decree and declare that men will begin to dwell with their lives, wives according to knowledge and understanding. 
And I decree and declare that women will learn to respect their husbands and meet that need. We reverse the cycle of devastation and destruction. And in the name of Jesus, we decree and declare that the peace of God would rule and reign in people's hearts and people's lives. That wives would feel loved. That men would feel respected. That families would rise up and be called blessed. I bless your kids right now in the name of Jesus. Every son, every daughter, every grandchild. I stand in this place of spiritual authority right now. And I bless them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. I cancel every negative DNA. We block it in the name of Jesus. We block the bad DNA. Generational curses are broken. They are broken off of your lives. They are broken off of your future generations. We break them right now in the name of Jesus. And we start seven years of gen or seven generations of generational blessing right here, right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, I want every parent in this place to stand to your feet right now. If you're a parent, I want you to stand to your feet. Just stand up. Even if your kids are grown up, stand up. Come on, stand up. Hallelujah. Those of you that don't have kids, I want you to stretch your hands toward those parents. I want every parent in this place to raise your hands right now. And together, we're going to bless your kids. You ready? I want you to say this with me. Say right now, in the name of Jesus, I bless my children. I call them blessed. I call them highly favored. I call them greatly loved. I call them healthy. I call them whole. I call them full of God. Christian salvation in Jesus' name. And I bind the force of the enemy that would fight against them. I decree and declare that Satan, you are defeated. You are destroyed. You cannot have my kids. I give them to God. They are protected by God and by the blood of Jesus and by the words of this prayer. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God some celebration. Give Him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better. Come on, hallelujah. Yay! Hallelujah. 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 How would you act if you received what you were believing God for right now, how would you act? Would you shout? Would you dance? Would you clap your hands? Would you get excited? Is that what you would do? Well, the Bible said, when you pray, receive. So I receive it right here, right now. My children are blessed. My grandchildren are blessed. My great-grandchildren are blessed. I receive it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a moment. We're going to be wrapping it up here. But if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you've not allowed Him to be the Lord of your life, then I want to pray with you right now. Just pray with me. And if you want to accept Him in your heart, just pray with me and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Make me a Christian. I believe that you're the Son of God. That you love me. That you gave yourself for me. And today, I receive and confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.